Welcome to the Soul of Travel podcast. I'm Christine Weinbrenner Eirich, the founder of Lotus Sojourns, a book lover, yogi, mom of three girls, and your guide on this journey. We are here to discover why women who are seasoned travelers, industry professionals, and global community leaders fall in love with the people and places of this planet. Join me to explore how travel has inspired our guests to change the world. We seek to understand the driving force, unending curiosity, and wanderlust that can best be described as the soul of travel. Soul of Travel podcast is a proud member of the Journey Woman family, where we work to create powerful forums for women to share their wisdom and inspire meaningful change in travel. In each soulful conversation, you'll hear compelling travel stories alongside tales of what it takes to bring our creative vision to life as we're living life with purpose, chasing dreams, and building businesses to make the world a better place. But the real treasure here is the story of the journey. As we reflect on who we were, who we are, and who we're becoming, we are travelers, thought leaders, and heart-centered change makers. And this is the soul of travel. Don Booker founded Packlight Global Itineraries with the mission to inspire women to travel the world fearlessly and joyfully. Grounded in reverence for sustainable and equitable travel, Dawn facilitates shared experiences and creates lifelong memories with the women who choose her thoughtfully curated cultural adventures. Dawn believes to travel fearlessly means to be an informed traveler. Knowing leads to confidence. And the best way to confidently travel and demystify a new location is through research. To pack light means to be free from the encumbrances that hold women back from experiences that will bring them joy and lead to freedom. In our conversation, Dawn and I discuss what it really means to pack light and how travel can help us to get to know ourselves beyond the labels we have created or have been created for us. We talk about her career in marketing and the gap she sees where women and especially Black women, are not included in the marketing and storytelling of travel experiences. We also talk about travel values, why they're important to us, and how we can use them to shape and guide travel choices. Join me now for my soulful conversation with Dawn Booker. Welcome to Soul of Travel podcast. I'm so excited today to be joined by Dawn Booker. She is a global marketing and communications professional and the founder of Pack Light Global Itineraries. Um, and like many of our multi-passionate guests, she also wears several hats, which we're going to explore, but some of those include adjunct professor and visiting lecturer. Um, and in just a moment, I'm going to turn that over to you to tell us a little bit more about yourself but I just wanted to let our listeners know that um, we've met here in the virtual world multiple times. So I'm so excited for us to be having a little one-on-one -on -one time today 
Um, we both are part of the Journey Women community um, as part of the editorial staff, and then also have been a part of the women's work um, program and have really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit there, but I'm very excited to dive deeper today. So welcome to the podcast, Dawn. Christine, thank you so much. Um, I just, again, want to start with a spirit of gratitude and um, excitement and anticipation about this conversation. I also am looking forward to chatting with you. So again, my name is Dawn Booker, and I founded Pack Like Global Itineraries. And uh, Pack Like Global is an experiential travel company that was created to encourage and inspire Black women over 40 to um, see the world and to do so fearlessly. I wanted to create um, global spaces of freedom and joy for, for women, especially at this stage of life. Um, very often we think uh, 40 is kind of the beginning of a, a downward slope. And you know, for me and for my life, the second half of my life has been the most enriching. It's been um, the most gratifying and fulfilling because I didn't allow myself to stop dreaming. I didn't allow myself to stop um, thinking about ways in which I could see and serve the world. And so um, Pack Light Global has become that vehicle for me. But um, I also, uh, as you mentioned, I'm also an adjunct professor and lecturer, um, and I teach uh, at a, a historically Black college for women, and I've done so about 11 years. It's been a part of my um, decision to serve a community that I belong to. And um, Pack Light Global was also started for that very same reason. So. Um, I guess that's the, uh, the 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 substance of what Pack Light Global is. But from the perspective of what I hear from the people that travel with me, it's really the sp a space. It's a space of connection. It's a space of freedom and joy. And um, many of the women that travel with me have. Um, you know, hyphenated lives. They are very um, active in their communities. They are very, um, they have ascended to levels in their career that require very much of their time and their identity. And um, when they travel with Pack Light, um, you know, it is our perspective that, you know, you shed those encumbrances, you shed those identities and you come and go on vacation. It is very much about vacation. Um, we don't, uh, it's not networking. Um, it's not about making professional connections, although that may happen. We really encourage women to just enjoy themselves and experience luxury as we uh, view luxury, which for Pack Light, luxury is truly around being taken care of and being acknowledged and seen and uh, appreciated the places that we travel. Mm. I love so many of the things that you kind of tucked into that description, but I especially love that definition of luxury um, because that does feel really luxurious. Like I think that is a luxury we is often missing in our lives is um, feeling welcome, belonging, um, feeling seen, feeling deep connection. Like that would actually be the most luxurious experience for yes. me outside of, you know, 
perfect beds or pillows or views like that, that to me would be like a nourishing luxury. So I, I love that um, description that you just shared. Um, I know that you mentioned that you, your mission is really to inspire women to prioritize themselves and let go of any guilt they might have and give themselves permission to really get out there and discover all of those things you just mentioned. Um, and I know that Packlight was born out of your own experience and a trip that you had to France. I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about why this was such an important part of your journey. So what's very interesting is it's actually two trips to France, right? So my first trip to France was um, in 2003. Um, I had not had a passport at that time. I had traveled in the Caribbean and had been to Canada, but at that time, um, I did not have a passport. So I, my my daughter and my mom all re- got our passports at the same time. Um, I went to France for six weeks. Um, at the time I was working independently. I had stepped away from my marketing career a little and had a lot of time to um, to kind of think about what I wanted the second half of my life to be like. And or that half at the time, I think I was in my late 30s and I took my daughter and my mom and my mother was a fashion designer. So she or is, I should say, she would get angry if I said was. (laughs) So my mom is a fashion designer and always wanted to go to Paris. And when I began to research just how much that would cost, um, what I could do in France that would be beyond just vacation. So I spent four weeks in Nice in a French immersion program. And then my, at the time, 12-year or 13-year-old daughter and my mom flew over and we spent two weeks together in Paris. And, you know, I received, before I took that trip, I received a, um, a travel journal. And um, the first page of that travel journal is me landing. It's my vision, what I see when I'm landing over the Mediterranean in Nice. And that was um, a little over 20 years ago. And I just finished the last page of that travel journal. But in that journal, at some point I wrote, when my daughter Simone is in college, I'm going to live here and I'm going to work here. And 10 years later, um, when my daughter was in college, um, it she was uh, away at college in Florida. And um, uh, sadly, my, my, my brother had passed in his 40s and I was in my mid 40s. And so I thought about what can I do you know, with this next part of my life, what do what matters to me? And so my daughter had come home from college um, and I was participating in actually a, a triathlon that summer because I we we literally it was um, it was my 45th birthday and my brother passed at 44. And so I wanted to do something great for my 45th birthday. And so the night before, my daughter asked me, so mom, what are you going to do next? And I had this crumbled up um, piece of paper from the American University of Paris that I had printed out. And I said, you know, the last time I really felt wonderful, the last time I really felt joy, the way that I wanted to feel joy was the six weeks that I spent in France. And so I showed it to her and I thought because she was in school that she would say, you know, it's not the right time. 
but she encouraged me to go for it. My my parents encouraged me to go for it. And so I moved at 46. I moved to Paris for two years. I sold my car, um, rented out my house um, and, and moved to Paris. And during that trip or that time in Paris, I explored the world. Um, as a student, uh, I learned about, um, as a master's student, uh, I got I received a master's in global communications. Um, I learned about theory and, um, you know, delved much deeper into ideas of representation. Um, it had always mattered to me, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a learner and an educator at my heart. And so when I began to think about, um, my own experience in Paris as a Black woman living there and how I often felt invisible by myself. And it wasn't this perfect, lovely experience. I love Paris. I go every year, sometimes more than once. But I also know that as an African-American woman, I often felt invisible when I traveled, especially by myself. Um, and I felt like I wish there were more people either with me or in these spaces. Um, as I traveled around the world from a base of Paris, um, I often got a lot of questions about why I was there. I had people ask me, was college free uh, since I was in Paris or did my company pay for it? But there were all these, these kind of micro questions that made me feel uncomfortable and, and, and felt made me feel as if I was doing something that I was not expected to do, either because of my age or because of my identity as a Black woman, but I just knew that it, as much as I love to travel, that did not feel comfortable to me. And so, but I do have to say, um, the time I spent at the American University of Paris was transformative. My classmates were amazing. They elected me to speak at graduation, so I had an opportunity to let them know what my experience meant. Um, they invited me to all their parties, you know, it was amazing. And I stayed connected. And now, as you mentioned, I, I am a lecturer in the same program that I received my master's degree. And I've been doing that since for about six year, years now. And so France, you know, I always say to people, it's magical for me, beautiful, lovely things happen for me when I'm in France, but it also is a space where um, I'm reminded of, of sort of differences and differences that to me are, are not important and are not um, the fullness of my identity, but I, I do love Paris, I do love France. And I think that that first trip that I took with my mother and my daughter, it meant so much to me for so many reasons. And so later through Pack Light, I planned a mother-daughter trip and we did the exact same route. So the same trip, we went to Nice and we, we had lunch at the Eiffel Tower and all the things that you know my mom and my daughter love so much. Um, we had about four or five groups of mothers and I think it was more like we had 12 women. So it was just a lovely, lovely opportunity to kind of relive what attracted me to Paris in the first place. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, um, you know, we were talking about kind of the magic of first experiences. And I think um, 
you know, kind of no matter how they go, it's this first time that you see yourself as a traveler, which is a really mm. reflective experience. Like you said, there was all these things that maybe you wouldn't have noticed about your own personal experience if you were still, you know, doing the things you had been doing in your, in your routine life. And if you hadn't gone somewhere and just begin to see how you see the world and see how the world sees you, like that's such a, a powerful experience and that you were really open in witnessing that is such a, is a great thing to, to hear, because I think sometimes we have to be a little more intentional about our travel experiences before we having that start having that level of awareness. Um, mm -hmm. But I do also believe that travel really tries to present us with that level of exploration. Like, I think it's so much more than the travel itself. It's really about who you are when you travel and how you engage with the world and, and how you start to see how you fit into it. Um, so Absolutely. I, I, I love that you share kind of all of those moments as you were talking about that first experience for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just say one more small thing. Well, it's small, but it's big that my time in Paris also allowed me to understand just my identity as an American woman. Um, not, I mean, very often as African-American as or as Black women, we don't feel like we have the same access to that American identity that um, is afforded um, others in this same country. You know, we kind of, you know, we have this hyphen that, 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 that we have to have and others don't, that they can choose to have. And so when I travel and when I lived in Paris, I realized that my identity, the way, a lot of the ways that I see the world, that I show up in the world are really relative to being an American. And so it has allowed me to embrace that identity as something that I'm not only proud of, um, but because of our history and our, our as African-Americans, you know, our resilience and our ability to um, to keep going, regardless of how we ended up in this country or or what still are the issues here. And so it's an identity that I embrace. Um, I'm clear. So even when I'm in Africa, I'm clear that, you know, my identity is American and, um, you know, would hope that um, that the people that travel with Pack Light are ambassadors for both African American women, but also for Americans as well. And so that's an important value for us as we travel. And it's something that I would not have said in the be, when I first began traveling. But the the more I interacted with people from around the world, I realized, hmm, I do have a lot of the qualities of my my uh, fellow Americans that have. Um, that has uh, evolved over the years. Yeah, thank you again for sharing that reflection as well. Um, we have talked a little bit um, about, you know, labels and 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 recognizing who we are and and how that shapes, you know, how we do move into the world and how we move through our lives. And in your um, on your website, you mentioned that a lot of your Customers are women who are at career crossroads, who are retired, empty nesters, um, happily married, blissfully single, all of these different labels um, that we give ourselves or are given to us. Um, but when you travel, you really encourage them to leave those labels at home. 
And I know this is something that I talk about a lot on the podcast. It's actually one of my very favorite things about travel is that I have this moment often when I step off the plane and like the only thing that like leaves the plane is Christine, you know, not mom, not the person who forgot to send the email for the parent teacher organization, you know, not all these other things, like something about who I am is most alive in that space, but it's when I can most connect to that part of myself. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about that conversation around those labels, um, why you think it's important for your clients to leave them at home and how that shapes their travel experiences. And then also when they come back into their lives with that awareness later. I think that's my favorite part of Packlight. So I initially thought I was starting a pure travel company. I thought that um, I had found a niche, as you mentioned in my introduction, I spent my career in marketing. And so um, what I began realizing um, not just, so when I, when we had our first trip in Bali on the last night, many of the women were extremely emotional, um, to the point where I was trying to understand like what was going on, what's happening here. And then it happened again. Then it's actually happened on every single trip. And so what I have, so in Croatia, we had chartered a yacht, um, for 30 women, um, a 19-room yacht, and it was just one of the most amazing experiences that I've had in travel as well. And not because it was Croatia, not because it was the yacht. I mean, that was a part of it. And our yacht was owned by a woman who flew in because she was so excited that this group of women was going to be using, you know, uh, chartering her yacht. And I had a reporter come in and she interviewed um, many of the women on the on the cruise, and I expected to hear about luxury um, or about the beauty of the island hopping in Croatia, but that's not what I heard. I heard um, from one of my um, travelers about how she had been taking care of both of their her parents, and they passed in the same year. I talked about a woman, or I a woman talked about. Um, how she had never really gone on vacation where she wasn't responsible for every single thing that took place on that vacation. I had another um, a woman with a very high level professional job that says she finds herself in so many spaces where there are no Black women, where she's not able to connect and find sisterhood and um, where her identity is more important than um, who she is as a woman. And so um, so one of the ways, and so for me, that was so enlightening and so beautiful. And um, and I, what's weird is I didn't listen to the videos until a few months later um, and was blown away by, they weren't, I thought, well, these are gonna be nice testimonial compliments kind of, and it was the opposite. It actually gave me all this information about why these women were feeling the way they did and, and what this travel meant to them as Black women to be extended luxury, to be extended equity, um, private experiences where, you know, there is no necessity to um, explain or qualify your identity or the things that, you know, sometimes make uh, global spaces inhospitable for us. And so 
you know, when we get to a place, the first thing we do is uh, we introduce ourselves. But one of my uh, foundational values is that you don't introduce yourself by saying what you do. I usually have a prompt question. Um, I usually have a, a question around um, something that you're grateful for or something that you want to acknowledge in your life. Um, but we're very clear that, you know, when we go on this vacation, it's an equitable space. We've had teachers, we've had nurses, we've had, you know, people with very high level jobs. We've had a minister, um, you know, doctors, all sorts of folks, but we don't want to create that hierarchy. And so you're leaving that identity at home. You're leaving that behind. And so the the um, trademarked uh, tagline for Pack Light is to travel fearless and pack light. And to travel fearless is to travel with knowledge, with understanding, to be prepared, to um, have information about the local economy, the history, um, the language, the currency. Um, to understand, like, because I've traveled so much, I very often take groups to places that I've been and where I have connections. So some of the fear or anxiety that comes from planning your own trip, you can leave all of that at home. So you sign up and you show up. And then as far as the packing light, you know, what I always say to my um to the women who travel with me is that, you know, it's not about your luggage, it's about your baggage. And just like in life, what you bring, you have to carry. And so if you bring, you know, I had someone bring several trunks, we laughed, um, but she was going somewhere else after our trip. And it was just so funny. She said, I get it. I know this is pack light, but I'm going somewhere for two months. And so that's why I have all these things. But typically, um, you know, we're all very conscious about how much we bring because um, just like in life, if you if you if you think you aren't enough, if you think you don't have enough, then you tend to overpack. You tend to bring things that are um, not necessary for you to be happy or for you to have a wonderful time. And so the pack light is really about leaving those encumbrances as home at home, but also some of the physical things that we think we need because we're just a group of women on vacation and you don't need much. And so I'm not a, a carry-on traveler. I have not mastered that. I, I did uh, to on a trip to Vienna last week, um, but I ended up checking it anyway, even though it was just a carry-on bag. So I'm not... Um, uh, encouraging women to not have the things that make you feel happy and comfortable on your vacation. But I'm also saying, if you bring it, you must manage it. And so to me, that's a metaphor in so many ways. And so I think it makes women think about, um, you know, I, I often hear women say on the third day, oh, I think I should call home. <laughs> I wonder if my husband, did I give him the information? You know, very often. And it's like I said, it's like around the third day. It's rarely the first night. Um, the first night, everybody's having a great time. Um, you know, it's rarely the first night. It's right around midweek and sometimes later that women are saying, okay, maybe I should call my kids or maybe I should let folks know. But 
we try to make it very clear that this is vacation, this is self-care, this is connection, you know, this is um, a sisterhood. And I want it to feel, you know, like a place where you can let your braids down and just be, not worry about anything. And um, I, I hope to be creating that type of space. So beautiful. And I, I think um, what's so interesting is when I first, you know, began following you and saw your website and saw Packlight, my brain, of course, went to, oh, she maybe has a blog about, you know, how to pack better for a trip. And then really quickly, I realized that that wasn't what Packlight meant. And that's when I realized, you know, the depth to those words and that it was about not what, what you're taking, but what, what you're leaving behind. And oh, yeah, lovely. All that yes. allows you to like be immersed in the experience and, and, and like peel off those layers and maybe, you know, literally, like you said, peel, peeling off makeup or whatever it mm-hmm. allows you to, to be more fully present as you in the experience. And I, I just, as you were talking, I was thinking about packing and being like, okay, am I putting this in for me? Or am I putting this in for what someone expects me to be, you know, That's like really good. glasses or a dress or a, you know, jewelry or something, you know, we're so used to kind of having these performative layers as well. And we, we take them when we travel. And I even think travel sometimes gets a, a brings you into it even more. Cause you're like, oh, if I'm going to be in Paris, of course, I'm going to be like the Parisian version of me in Paris who doesn't even exist and you're not going to get it right. And you're going to have the wrong shoes anyway, because you don't always have the wrong shoes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I just was thinking like, how freeing is that actually to maybe have that conversation and how much that's going to open you up to the experience that you, you are already creating just to have that conversation in something as simple as packing and, and examining what your intention is by like adding that burden to your bag. This is like such a beautiful metaphor. I think I'm going to have to go back and listen to our conversation later because there's so many things in here. Um, But I really, really love that. And it's such a tangible, easy way for people to begin to understand the space that you're creating. Hey, it's Christine. I'm popping in for just a minute to share a bit more about my presenting partner for the podcast, Journey Woman. I'm so happy to have joined the Journey Woman family over the summer and to be working together to create a powerful forum for sharing the voices and stories of women. Founded in 1994, Journey Woman is the world's first solo female travel publication and one of the most popular and trusted online women's travel brands in the world. Early in my career, I remember hearing about Journey Woman and thinking that the founder, the late Evelyn Hannon, was incredible to be stepping up and supporting women's travel around the world. Reflecting back, that may have been one of the early seeds planted, making me realize I wanted to, and actually could focus, on travel for women and support gender equity and tourism. A few years ago, I was at the Women in Travel Summit, created by Wonderful, Quick shout out to my friend Beth Santos and her amazing team. I was at WITS because the Soul of Travel podcast was nominated for a Bessie Award in the Wonderful category for a brand that had gone above and beyond to support women over the past year. 
I was so nervous about my nomination and possible acceptance speech that I didn't realize that one of the women on my must-meet list was sitting right across from me at my table. When Carolyn Ray, the current editor and CEO of Journey Woman, got up to give the Journey Woman Award, which recognizes a long-term commitment to working in and making the travel industry better, I couldn't believe she was right there. As she returned to her seat, they began naming the nominees in my category. I nodded to her quickly and returned to imagining myself tripping up the stairs in my infrequently worn high heels or breaking into tears with my voice cracking if my name was actually called. I was so lost in the imaginary moment, I had to be brought back by my dear friend and podcast editor, Carly Eduardo. She was saying, you did it, you won. Christine, they just said your name. In the frenzy that followed, I missed Carolyn. And in case you were wondering, I did not fall or cry and only had a moment when I had to regain my composure. Luckily, another seed was planted. And when I asked Carolyn to join me as a guest on the podcast, she quickly agreed. That conversation and immediate connection set our partnership in motion. I am so excited to see what we can do together. In 2024, Journey Woman will celebrate 30 years of community, honor Evelyn Hannon, and find even more ways to encourage and support women's travel. To support women-owned businesses, Journey Woman will continue to grow the world's largest women's travel directory with hundreds of women-friendly tours, retreats, guides, and accommodations. Carolyn also recently launched a Women's Speakers Bureau, which includes some of my guests, Nora Livingstone, Lola Akinmade, Nikki Padilla-Rivera, Casey Hanisco, and Don Booker, to name just a few. I truly believe we rise together, and I know that Carolyn, the Journeywoman team, and I are committed to creating positive change and accelerating inclusion and diversity in travel. Thank you for taking a moment to listen to me share about our connection. Now let's hop back over to our soulful conversation. Um, And the other things that you mentioned um, that really resonated for me were this um, second half of life, you know, you're really speaking to women over 40. And then you said something about how this made you feel. And I think, you know, we spend so much time worrying about how other people are feeling, how we're creating this space for them. And to just ask this question of how do I want to feel in this second half of my life? Not who do I want to be, not what title I want to have, but how do I want to feel? Um, so I really love that. And I, I wanted to ask if you might share a little bit more about, um, well, you know, um, I am, I mean, I have to be, you know, kind of honest in this moment, you know, to tomorrow would be my brother's birthday. And, you know, it was just three of us, my sister and brother and I. And so we had plans, like my brother died in an accident. So we saw his desk. We saw that he had just got business cards printed. You know, we saw that there was a life unlived and I had an aunt. So that passed at 39 with breast cancer, my mom's youngest sister. And so um, those were 
just hugely impactful to me. Both of those experiences were hugely impactful because I understood that my life is a gift. It's a privilege. Um, I was encouraged. You know, it was funny. My dad was the last person I told that I was moving to Paris. My business side came from my dad. And so, well, he was the last person I told, not knowing that my mother had told months ahead. And so when I told him, he was very clear about how proud he was about, you know, my dad would say things like, you can, when you get home, you're going to be able to write your own ticket. And so, Unfortunately, though, when I came home, what other people saw first was not what I saw or felt first. What they saw was a woman, 48, 49 years old, who had been living in Paris for two years. And so there was a break in my career, um, you know, which my job before I went to Paris was a vice president of marketing for economic development agency. Um, you know, I came home and found that the world didn't embrace me the way that I thought they would. I thought there would be all these opportunities in global development and I would apply for things and realize that somebody would get it right after, you know, in their 20s or right after um, doing a Peace Corps stint or something like that. And so um, I, I wondered if others my age were feeling, you know, and I had someone say to me, you know, you should be supporting your daughter's dreams, which I do and always have, but I didn't feel good about kind of being like let out to the pastures to, you know, be some, everybody else's kind of cheerleader. I wanted to be that for my own life, but for my friends and people that I knew still had so many things that they wanted to do. And I remember when I spoke at graduation in Paris and I, when I finished the parents, because I talked about, um, there's a quote from Maya Angelou about living your dreams and in, in wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. And the parents rushed me and they were all crying. You know, it was the parents that said, you know, their children are in Paris because it was always their dream, you know. And I just um, didn't think I was modeling um, for my daughter uh, something that I wanted her to emulate if I decided that, okay, I'm 40, it's your turn. I didn't do that. And so, you know, she travels with me on almost every trip. She has taken over portions of the business um, on site that are so beautiful and helpful. Um, I encourage other women to bring their daughters. That's where there's an exception on the 40 and over because, for women in their 30s, and they're typically in their late 20s or 30s when they come with us with their mom, for them to see um, this experience centered around their mother, like centered around her joy, centered around her identity as someone over 40. So we are always intentional about having kind of trap doors in our day. So if you're tired, you don't have to feel like you're the one slowing down the group. You know, I will always have a way out. Um, you know, I have rheumatoid arthritis, which means that even though um, I don't look and I don't appear or present that um, that's a physical limitation. It is. And so 
I work out, I'm, you know, all that stuff. I'm, I'm fine. But if I have an issue with RA, then I need to go sit down somewhere. And I don't want women to have to feel, um, because you are literally naturally aging, you're still alive, you're still here, you're still able to, um, to contribute and to create and to dream. Um, I don't want them to start feeling like, okay, um, because I've maybe gained weight or because, you know, my knees, I've had people that have come on my trips after knee replacements and right before knee replacements. And I just want to be creative. Like I said, it's, it's more than just kind of a girl's trip. It feels like it's different than that. It's a space that, um, honors exactly who we are. And it's nuanced with our identities as Black women, because I do think that having a majority experience matters. And that is why I teach at an HBCU. That is why, um, you know, my life is diverse. I have all sorts of friends. I always have. But um, this is meaningful for me to not have to code switch, to not have to be something different than who I truly am. Um, and it feels um, liberating. And I hope that that is what's happening for the women that travel with me. But, you know, some of them, um, you know, are empty nesters and they realize their husband is not going on that dream trip. And so they're going anyway. Some of them, you know, are really, really high level professionals that um, just want a minute where they don't have to be that, where they literally can show up and have fun and people don't know what they do for a living. So there's not this space where they still have to maintain that identity on vacation. And so it really means it feels like purpose. And so, um, you know, I always laugh with my daughter when I'm feeling, because I'm also an entrepreneur, which has actually really been very difficult and a huge learning curve for me. Um, but my mind has always been entrepreneurial. But what I'm what I've said so often lately is that, you know, you can't quit purpose. You know, it's impossible to quit purpose. I'm sure you may have found that in the path that you've taken with the way that you celebrate women and our stories and um, just travel as a as a multidimensional component of our life, that it's purpose and you can't really quit. You can try to quit. <laughs> you can create some balance, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's purpose. And I used to, you know, pray and cry to try to figure out what my purpose was. I knew what my skills were. I knew what I was good at. Um, I knew how I had been educated, but I didn't know what my purpose was. And so through this, I'm privileged to spend this time with women at this time. And then also to be able to do something that for me represents purpose. So beautiful, Don. Um, I, I love that. And like, deep in my bones feel the sentiment of you can't quit purpose. <laughs> um, and, and it's a gift, right. But it is also sometimes a heavy weight yes. because it, it can still be, even though you might feel more connected to your purpose, it doesn't always mean that the answer is still clear. And so now you feel like, you know, just what you have to do, but you're still not quite sure how you're doing it. And I, I think many purpose-driven leaders and entrepreneurs um, you know, like 
this question always was just find your purpose. And then, you know, you're like, that's the golden ticket and everything from there will be easy. <laughs> it's like, no, what? before I was seeking and I didn't feel the like weight of my purpose. And now, right. and I you see- could walk away, yes. right? Cause you're like, that's not my purpose. That's just a job. So not, not so it's actually, you know, it's, it, I've been noticing though, you know, through Carolyn at Journey Woman and, you know, just other women my age that it's a movement. It's not, it's not just my group or my idea. It's a movement. It's a, it's a, it's a space that, or it's a, a time in history or a time in our existence that, you know, women, especially women over a certain age, are trying to not recapture our youth, but to literally embrace who we are and the things that we've learned and um, the way that we want this next part of our life to be. And I'm, I'm actually grateful that I came through life at this time, because I do think it's a movement. I don't see myself as the only person in this space. Um, and I didn't see the the work that I was doing to just meet a market niche. Although there is, you know, a lot of money being left on the table because um, Black women over 40 are not a target in the travel industry. They are not um, seen in marketing materials or commercials or um, even travel narratives and travel writing. And so um, I do, you know, I was at Tour Radar's uh, event last week and I talked about inclusion and equity in the tourism space as an economic conversation. It is not a conversation about um, the right thing to do. I mean, we all don't always do the right thing and it's harder to do the right thing if it might mean that you lose money but in the in the case of you know equity and extending your understanding of who travels and your idea of what a high value customer is um you know that doesn't cost you anything to extend that idea and to market a via or market to a viable ready curious client that um could potentially um, allow your business to grow. Um, so to me, that's a that's an economic decision. Um, it's money left on the table. Um, my my trips are not cheap, um, but they typically um, are full, and are and I've not had anyone say to me that they feel like they've overpaid or that the value didn't align with what they paid. And so. Um, if more travel companies would think about how to be more inclusive. Um, um, and it's not about price. It's not about things like that. I don't, money is not why um, you don't see as many black women in some of these travel groups or other travel experiences. We wanna be in a hospitable welcoming space. And so that takes a little more effort, but it also, um, can reap dividends like the 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 brands that we've worked with that have really um treated us humongously well um and not you know again because my background is in marketing because i worked on major customer meetings and events i know the value of my customer 
And so when I talk to a brand, I'm not saying, well, can I get a discount? I'm saying, this is how much my, this is the average spend of one of my customers. Um, they use the spa. They go to the bar each night when they come home. They, If you have a gift shop, they're going to converge on it and buy the high ticket things. They're not buying the candy bars. They're looking at the jewelry. You know, um, if you uh, have a concierge that is, um, you know, selling excursions or other opportunities, you know, there's all sorts of ways in which I know my clients, my customers, um, and me as as the planner are contributing um, to the um, the revenue of the place that we're staying. And so I negotiate from that perspective, but not from the perspective of, you know, we're, you know, women of color and we expect to have a discount so that we can come to your property. No, we are, um, you know, we're going to represent a third of your rooms um, for the two nights that were there. And so we would like our our rates to reflect our our value to you for the three nights that were on your property. And so that's what others do in the same space. And so we have the same expectation. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Again, I wish I could go back and rewind so that I could ask about a million follow-up questions to everything that you just shared. So I will be doing that afterward for sure. And luckily I can email you to follow up. But I, I really, I want to go back and try and see if I can get it right. But the, one of the very first things you said is looking at diversity as an economic opportunity and not um, just a, a social initiative. And mm -hmm. I think um, that's so incredibly powerful because I think in the industry we've been talking about, you know, first it was maybe um, volunteer tourism, responsible tourism, sustainable tourism, um, and and now it seems like DEI kind of is like this next thing that has getting lumped into this social responsibility bucket adjacent to tourism, which I don't agree with any of that being true, but I can see that that has happened. And it also always is, we also can't do this because just because it does good doesn't mean it's economically beneficial. And I really just love that clear line that you drew mm -hmm that you're actually just shooting yourself in the foot by not being inclusive. And, mm -hmm. and um, the other thing, you know, you were talking about marketing and, and who, who we're seeing, who we're selling travel to and who is traveling in that disconnect. And I think it's so huge, whether you're talking about black women over 40 or whether you're just talking about women over 40, or you're That's talking right. about um, people who are not able-bodied who have, uh, you right. know, there's so much that we're missing in terms of who we're marketing to, who is traveling and who feels not included in the travel experience. And um, I was so aware of this after another interview, you know, talking about walking through a, a travel event and picking up brochures and saying, you know, who do you see on the covers of all of those brochures? And, you know, at one point it was me but it, it's not me anymore on the covers of those brochures, but I, I'm for sure it was not you. And I just had that moment where I thought, you know, I, I hadn't had that experience in that way before it took until I was in my oh, late forties wow. to have that awareness, right. Where it resonated with me. Um, but then I was like, oh my gosh, this is, I, 
this is a, a, a missed opportunity and, and a disgrace on so many levels and mm-hmm. um, something that I felt really disappointed in our industry for not really tackling head on much earlier than this. And so um, that was kind of a rant and a ramble, but no, that was beautifully said. That was beautifully, beautifully said because, you know, like you said, sometimes these things, these um, business practices, cause I don't call DEI, you know, it's a business practice. Um, they're only thought of to be relevant to the group that is impacted And as the group that is impacted gets larger and larger, you know, like you said, it's not just Black women. It's women over 40. It's women over 50. It's differently abled. It's differently sized. You know, there's just so many ways in which, you know, if you decide that this is who travels luxury and this is who deserves to travel luxury and this is who can afford to travel luxury, once you make those, you know, those preconceived decisions, um, you've just um, lost money just in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I I feel like that was just so incredibly powerful and I, I really want to be able to dig into that deeper. So I'm going to, I'm going to put a sticky note on that for, for follow-up and for more conversation. But before we end, um, I think all through this and, and maybe even just in this last moment, we've really been kind of alluding to travel values. And Mm. I think that that's something that's really important to both you and I, um, both as planners of travel, as people trying to create influence in the industry and as people guiding travelers. Um, I would like to understand um, a little bit about why that is important to you, how you use your travel values to gauge the experiences that you participate in and those that you create, and then also how that might um, come up in conversation with your own travelers? That's that's a lovely question. Um, for me, it's equity. Um, it's really important because I've been in spaces where I felt more than, and I've been in spaces where I felt less than. And actually, neither space was comfortable. Um, so equity is very important to me. Um, as far as the local and in- indigenous people, I'm interested in economic impact. So we actually do not do voluntourism at all. Um, we feel like if I'm using a local uh, local transportation company, if I'm using a local DMC, if I'm using a DMC, and they, so in Tanzania, we use a Tanzanian company. In Ghana in December, we use a Ghanaian company. Um, so we, my values, our values at Packlight are really around um, a respect for and um, a clear understanding of our ability to um, economically impact the communities in which we visit. Um, Absolutely um, uh, respect, um, respect for one another, but also, you know, I'm very clear that, you know, because some people have a different um, definition of luxury. And so very, in our very first meeting, I, um, distinguish between opulence and luxury and that, you know, opulence is what you see. It's, you know, this expectation that people are going to serve you all day long and, you know, but being 
in a luxury space for pack light is just really being taken care of and and being in a space where you feel welcome and we've had so many experiences that have felt that way for us so many more than i mean one or two that have not but maybe just one really because it's it's we've just been we bring a spirit of joy and happiness and um, connection and where, you know, we bring um, uh, just a, a lightness that um, allows us to, again, be our full selves, but also to be in a space um, where people see us. And the the colorful, um, if you've seen our website, the colorful photo shoots that we do. So I initially said that Packlight was for women of color because it was a play on the words. It's, it's actually created for Black women. But in every city, we do these very public, um, very colorful photo shoots. And the people remember that they saw us. Um, recently, when I was launching my 2024 trip, um, I did a poll. I have a I have a, a Google. Um, excuse me. I have a Facebook group, um, and I did a poll. And very many wanted to go to Greece. They wanted to do a, a similar um, island hopping trip in Greece. Well, at the very same time that I had sent out that poll, they were having multiple. There were multiple instances of immigrants that had perished in the waters around um around in and around Greek islands and um once I put Greece there and I had said that you know Greece was one of the places that we were high you know was high on our list one of my travelers said it doesn't why would we as black women you know choose to be in um a space that you know is having you know has all the has all this um these remnants of people who have perished um in the waters and immediately i you know removed it from consideration and then i expressed um and we may do greece you know i just i've been to greece i'm not it's nothing against traveling in greece but as black and brown women you know, for us to know, and it was literally the week of the major, um, which was not, you know, perfect, good timing for me, but it made me feel proud that the women that travel with me understand my values. And then I, you know, wrote um, a pretty long post about why, but it was, you know, on the poll, it was, it ranked the very highest. Um, as as a destination folks wanted to do for 2024. But um, I was very clear that it did not align with our values. And, you know, we couldn't feel comfortable and confident, you know, conducting a an island hopping tour in those waters at that time. So that was an example of when it was kind of spoken back to me, what I have been very clear that my values are around local indigenous people, um, brown people, because very often when we travel, we're being treated um, with privilege, with great privilege um, by people who look just like us. And so um, I think it's important for us to be um, stewards of this privilege in a way that 
you know, we're remembering, you know, and we are extending, you know, kindness, generosity, not pity, not, um, you know, uh, subordinate, creating a subordinate type experience, but really um, creating allyship and creating opportunities to learn about local and indigenous people, as opposed to, you know, treating them the way that many other travelers do as servants and not service. Um, again, just thank you so much. I, the way that you continue to to share your values and express all of the things that you've shared, um, it's really speaking so true to my heart and to the way that I hope people can engage with travel. So I really, really appreciate um, everything that you've shared with us. Um, and this conversation has flown by, so I cannot believe we've already been been here for our, our full time together. Um, but uh, quickly, two things. I just I have a few rapid fire questions to end. Oh, our good. I was hoping I would get the rapid fires. I was scared that it, we didn't have time. Good. Do it. Um, and and just before that, I know you mentioned 2024, but if you wanted to share just um, a few of the places you are headed for listeners, if they're interested in traveling with you, where will they be able to go? Absolutely. So um, in May, we'll be in Bali and Singapore. Um, in July, late June and July, we'll be in Portugal, in Lisbon and in Madeira. Um, uh, in October, we will be in Thailand. And then uh, between December, late December and the 1st of January of 25, we'll be in Senegal. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again um, for everything you've shared. Uh, let's jump into the rapid fire questions. Uh, the first one is what are you reading right now? Oh, a couple of things. So I'm reading Atomic Habits, um, like everybody. <laughs> um, I just finished Mariah Carey's um, autobiography, which was so much fun because she actually sings in it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those are the two books that that have, I'm an audible girl. So those are, and then I'm reading a book, a friend of mine wrote uh, a travel, uh, a travel fiction book. She's a professor and wrote this lovely book called How Not to Save the World. Mm -hmm. And it's about a, a woman who, um, her mom was the head of a global NGO. She passed and the daughter had to take over, couldn't figure it out financially. So she became a global jewel and art thief and she's a black woman and it's an amazing book. So it's called <laughs> How Not to Save the World. I love it. I love that you have multiple books and multiple genres. I typically am the same. And I also love to have an audible book on around me on my phone on my all mm -hmm. my devices so I can always be immersed at some point um what is always in your suitcase or backpack when you travel <laughs> I should have asked what isn't in your case but oh my gosh no <laughs> I'm I'm not there yet like I carry what I can bring but I, my suitcase sh could always be half the size of what it is I'm all I'm down to a middle-sized suitcase or medium-sized suitcase and a small carry-on, that's my world, but it could be half of that. So I always have some tea. I usually have tea. Um, you're gonna laugh, but I always have Vicks because on a plane, my ears get really bad. So I always have Vicks, I always have tea. Um, what else do I always have? Oh, I always have an HDMI cord so that I can um, watch 
TV. Um, for to me, that's a that brings me home because I travel a lot by myself. And so having a way to just kind of watch TV and from my laptop, it makes me happy. So mm -hmm. those are things that I always put in my in my bag. Yeah, the HDMI cord has never been mentioned, and that's very clever. <laughs> always. Like, <laughs> I have to watch something from, because I've traveled so many places where not a single channel is in English, and I just want to watch a movie, or I just want to kind of unwind, and now, you know, between that and my VPN, I can watch, I can turn on Hulu or Netflix and watch a movie and, and feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, to sojourn is to travel somewhere as if you live there for a short while. Where is some place that you would still love to sojourn? Tanzania. Hmm. Tanzania. I was there for Christmas on Christmas Day. And then, you know, I had a group join me. And then I stayed an extra four days and I could have stayed an extra six months. I absolutely loved Tanzania. Before I went to Tanzania, I would have said South Africa. But um, yeah, Tanzania, very mm. much so. I haven't been yet, but would love to, to go as well. So uh, what is something you eat that immediately connects you to a place you've been? Um, I think that uh, charcuterie, before it became... Um, kind of everybody's everything that used to be something that always took me back to Paris. Uh, Roybus tea mm -hmm. takes me to South Africa um, for sure. So yeah, those are the two. Roybus tea is something that I love and I make a latte because they have the red lattes everywhere when you're in South Africa. And so that's mm -hmm. something that I like. Thank you. Uh, who was a person that inspired or encouraged you to set out and explore the world? Um, I have to say my parents. Um, I have to say we went on vacation every single year when we were children. It, it didn't. My, my dad worked for the federal government. I don't know how many weeks vacation he had, but every year we went to Wildwood, New Jersey. Um, you know, it, was, it took us... <laughs> 13 hours, I found out later that it was not that far. I mean, we would spend the night on the way. But yeah, I think that um, my, my parents, my mom has always, you know, wanted to go to Paris. And so that was something that was in my mind when I took that first trip. My dad was stationed in Berlin and traveled all over Europe, played for a Berlin football team. So we always had pictures of him and he passed a few months ago and we found pictures of him coming out of a train station in London and you know so there yeah I think that it was it always felt possible it never felt impossible travel felt like that was what we did in July every summer no matter what was happening in our lives and we continued to do that um, until my dad got really sick. So we did family vacations always. And so travel was a value in our family. And so it never felt like um, something that you did only when you had saved for six months or two years. We didn't, travel just felt natural. It felt like movement, like breathing. Oh, again, I love, love all the things that you just said there. Um, if you could take an adventure with one person, fictional or real, alive or past, who would it be? Um, 
That makes, I would have loved for my sister and brother and I to have with our kids, we never had that chance, but I would have loved for all three of us to, to go to Egypt together and to sail the Nile. And, you know, I did that. I had to go to not to Egypt, actually the day after my dad's funeral. And when I was there, all I was thinking was, wow, my family would love this trip. They would have loved this trip. So yeah, I would have loved to have, um, a vacation with my brother and my sister and, and our families and to have that happen. So it, it didn't, I mean, we, we traveled, but just locally, but I would have loved to have taken like a global trip together. Yeah, I, I love how much travel is for sharing with you. Yes, it's so evident. it is. And I think that probably really grows to the spaces that you create. And I, I love, I love that, um, that sentiment. It's an expression of love for me. That's what it, that's what it is. And that's how I see it. And that's how, that's what is the foundation in the trips that I create. It's, it's really is, it's an expression of love. Thank you. Uh, well, the last question, um, soul of travel is for honoring and recognizing women in the travel industry. Who is one woman that you admire and would like to recognize in this space? Um, I think um, a travel writer, Faith Adelaide, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Um, and then also another travel um, non-binary, uh, uh, Bonnie Amore. Um, they write about um, uh, inclusive spaces and beyond just um, race, but also about ability and gender and all of that. And so both of them have made me think about um, global identities and travel as Black women. And I think that travel writing is more than just um, um, entertainment. I think it's an account. I think it's history. And I think that travel writers ensure that Black women are people that are, are not mainstream in this country or others are included in that account. And so I admire both of them um, for that reason. Thank you again. But like if, if this conversation were a book, there's sticky notes and highlighters all over the place with notes in the margin. Um, thank you so much, uh, for this beautiful conversation. I appreciate so much our time together and everything that you shared with us today. Thank you, Christine. It's been my pleasure. And I want to thank you for what you are doing. Um, I've been so excited to have this conversation since you asked me quite a while ago. Um, and, you know, the fact that you see just all the dimensions of travel and its connection to our souls, it's really beautiful. And I, I feel like if I were going to talk about what travel means to me in a space. I'm I'm so glad it was this space and that you created something that made me feel comfortable talking about travel as it actually resonates with me and not just as a business. So thank you so much. Thank you. I, that's the soul of travel. So I appreciate you honoring that. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Soul of Travel, presented by Journey Woman. I hope you enjoyed the journey. If you loved this conversation, 
I encourage you to subscribe and rate the podcast. Please share episodes that inspire you with others because this is how we extend the impact of this show. Learn more about each of my guests by reading our episode blogs, which are more than your average show notes. I think you'll love the connection. Find our episode blogs at www.souloftravelpodcast.com. I am so proud of the way these conversations are bringing together people from around the world. If this sounds like your community, welcome. I'm so happy you are here. I am all about community and would love to connect. You can find me on Facebook at Soul of Travel Podcast or follow me on Instagram either at she.sojourns or at Soul of Travel Podcast. Stay up to date by joining the Soul of Travel Podcast mailing list. You'll also want to explore the Journey Woman community and its resources for women travelers over 50. I'd also like to share a quick thank you to my podcast producer and content magician, Carly Eduardo, CEO of Convergente. I look forward to getting to know you and hopefully hear your story. Thank you.